welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure to be here today with my old buddy, old friend, old pal, Mike Eliason, a uh, longtime colleague of mine, a photojournalist. Uh, we used to work together on a lot of stuff over the years, and we still see each other around town. Mike Eliason, how are you doing? Hi, Josh. I'm good. <laughs> That's my old greeting. I always greeted Josh that way. He has that deep voice. So well, yeah, as a, as a young reporter, I was I was sort of like you know not as charismatic as I am today, and and I remember you would say, you'd greet me. You're always happy when you know we'd be working together, and you'd greet me, and I'd be like, I'm like, and you'd be like, that's the best you can do. Come on, <laughs> come on, Josh, be excited. Right, but uh, you know, Mike, I appreciate you coming on the show. I want to just talk to you because you are um, quite the established photojournalist. You clearly are renowned as being the best photojournalist in this area. And you've done so much, so much great work over the years, uh, you know, newspapers, magazines, freelance, online, a lot of sports stuff. And and right now I see your stuff sort of all over, you know, you're, you're the county fire, fire PIO and you take great shots. And then I see stuff on your Instagram. You're the kind of guy who, post a photo on Instagram and, you know, it's got like a few hundred likes in just a few minutes. So I appreciate you taking time and I want to want to nerd out a little bit and have just a little bit of a kind of a photojournalism uh, conversation, as well as a little bit about your story, because you have quite an interesting and inspirational story. So let me just, let's just start off, Mike, like, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing today, and, you know, your job and, and a little bit about how you approach approach your various uh, photography roles, both personal as well as your role at the fire department. Well, thank you very much. That's very, very kind of you, your, you know, your sentiment about the, my work. So I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, how I started in uh, taking pictures, um, I got my, my actually how I did it, my father borrowed a camera from a work friend of his to for uh, us to go take pictures at an air show. And uh, that's how I got hooked in photography. I liked the way it looked all looking through the lens. We were going to see the Blue Angels. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was hooked at that moment on how, you know, zooming in and out with the camera and lenses and stuff like that. And that's how I got into photography. And I bought my first camera uh, with my high school graduation money at uh, Montgomery Ward in Ventura, which is now Lowe's, I think it is right there. Okay. Uh -huh. So, and then uh, I worked at a, a smaller um, couple community newspapers. And uh, so that's in photography. Um, so I did that. And then uh, concurrently while I was doing that, working for one of the weekly uh, papers in town, I was started um, at the Carpinteria Fire Department. So I was a reserve firefighter for them uh -huh. um, for nine years, um, back starting way back when in the 1980s. So mm -hmm. that's a long, a long time ago, back when I was thinner and had hair. And as you can see, here's a picture of me when I started. And wow. Like today. So yes. look at that handsome guy. Right? Wow. Yeah, hair, look at that guy. Hair, <laughs> hair is overrated. Remember that, folks. Hair. <laughs> is overrated. So um, well, the smarter you get, the more hair you lose. Right? Exactly. Exactly. That's it. Yes. So <laughs> I, that's how I started back then uh, as a reserve firefighter down at CARP. And then um, I've actually been kind of busy. You, you know how I get. I get bored pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And I've actually done a lot uh, with photography over the years. 
Um, uh, I worked with newspapers for 25 years. I taught photojournalism at Santa Barbara City College for 10 years. Yeah. I worked as a photographer for the NFL for three seasons. Wow. Traveling all around the country doing that. And then um, also, also taking pictures for the fire service all along as well for different types of trainings, for just you know, mug shots, as well as um, other promotional things for the fire department. And then my current role with the county fire department, um, my role is kind of a dual role. I, I am the public uh, education officer that entails um, going to, um, back when we could go to schools, um, mm -hmm. I have a 30 foot trailer that I would uh, take around to all the different schools in, that we serve for the county fire department. And we teach fire safety for third graders. So we have a little room that has a kitchen and little bedroom and you explain all the different hazards and how to escape safely from a, a house fire. And then also teach the CERT classes, which is the community emergency response training classes for, the, for various businesses and in the community. Just teaching them the basic safety um, lessons that you all know in every way, anyways, um, the stuff on you know taking care of your house, um, making sure you're prepared for an emergency, have an emergency kit, all that kind of stuff that we would teach back in the olden times of prior to COVID. <laughs> um, and then I also work with uh, my captain, um, who currently is uh, Daniel Perticelli, and he and I are, are the public information officers for the department. And what that entails is I do their social media, and then I have a Twitter account. And then if there's something that happens, um, either Daniel or I will go out and we'll stand there and we'll talk to John Palminteri and say, the hill is on fire, John. And that's what we would, we would do in a very authoritative and yet comforting uh, and knowledgeable voice. And we've been busy the last couple of years. Um, we've had everything from oil spills to the COVID to wildfires to debris flow. So we've had some very uh, serious and trying events in this community over the years. So it's, it's been a huge responsibility to try and talk with the media from pre-sunrise for East Coast news all the way till 1 a.m. talking literally to Good Morning Ireland or Good Morning UK or Good Morning Australia about you know, large incidents because anything that happens in Santa Barbara, people want to know about it just because it's Santa Barbara. And so we have a really big um, presence in the international and, and regional and local media when something um, big happens here. What was the hardest part when you left photojournalism, working daily for a newspaper, and then transitioning to working for government full time? Uh, you're, you're still taking pictures and you're, you're still doing a similar role, but um, it's not the same, you know. And, and so what was the biggest change or transition that you felt when you're sort of adjusting to that new role? Well, the it wasn't that bad because I, I knew a lot of the every people that I'm now working with yeah. from my old job. And, and in my new job, I know all the people that I used to work with now because all the same uh, journalists in the community, it's a pretty tight-knit community. And even on a regional side, um, the LA and Ventura and San Luis Obispo County journalists, um, I would know from either being on one side of the camera or the other, and it made it pretty pretty easy on the transition. And plus knowing kind of a, a, what the media needs, 
um, for their deadlines. Right. I can't, I can't not to kind of toot my horn, but I can't tell you how many times I hear that, especially from media, not in our area, but from LA media or national media or even international media, when they're asking me a question and they need something, I'll say, okay, what's your deadline? When do you need it? How much do you need? All this stuff. And I'm very cognizant of what they need. And I don't know if other local PIOs for their areas don't happen to be that accommodating, but they're always pleased when I can get them what they need by their deadline and know the questions that they need and know the background that they're gonna need for their visuals and try and get the story out to either AP or any of the networks or any of that other stuff. So it's, it's been very helpful knowing what they need from being on that side of the camera. And that's helped me a lot being on the front into the camera now. Yeah, you speak the vocabulary. You know everything that journalists need to, to do and have on deadline. And so that must be just tremendous. I know that a few times I've worked with you too, you know, you're like, you understand and you appreciate and respect the role of journalists. And that's hugely important. I want to talk to you about your photography. I know that, you know, when I set out to write a story, whether it's today or 20 years ago, it's it's so fun because you get to create something out of nothing, right? You, you have this idea in the morning uh, and then you get to talk to people and do some research and you create this narrative and the story. And it's a, it's a constant sort of rush. And then when there's breaking news, you have no idea what's happening. You go and you have to plunge in and then you have to extract all of it, make sense of it, and you report it. So it's constantly stimulating. From a photographer's perspective, how do you find these moments that you always seem to find in your photojournalism, and can you talk a little bit about the the feeling you have when when you know you get a good shot, or when you're in pursuit of a of a shot, and, and what goes through your mind and your body when you're doing that? Well, I, I I and you know this from working with me. I have a very small ego when it comes to my work professionally. I mean, I'll be the last one to say, yeah, that's a good shot. I, I and and that's kind of from where my upbringing when I was working alongside with, you know, Steve Malone and Lynn Wood and, and Bob Ponce, you know, there was, there was no ego at, at there. I mean, yeah, there was a, a friendly rivalry and, but we were all pulling for each other because we wanted to everybody, we wanted the mission to succeed. Yeah. So that was always the best part. And then when I was teaching, you know, good writers, you know, like yourself, you read as much as possible, you know, so you have an understanding. So you, learn a dialogue so you understand all this stuff when i was teaching one of the things i would teach in photojournalism is good writers read so yeah. good photographers should look at as many different pictures as possible magazine internet whatever and you'll realize after doing this you'll start to gravitate to a certain style that you like or you appreciate yeah. without even really knowing that you're doing it and that's and it's come and people would kind of scoff that, but then a couple of weeks into the class, they'd realize, yeah, I, this is kind of what I like, or this is what I look for. And then I have them work backwards from that. Okay, is that a wide angle shot? Is that a telephoto shot? Is there lighting involved? Is you know, how are they taking the picture? Are they on the ground? Are they up high? What are they doing? And it makes them start to dissect their images and then it makes them think. So when you don't have a lot of time, like when we're working under a deadline, you would walk into a room and immediately you can visualize in your mind what a wide angle looks like, what a medium shot looks like, what a tele would look mm-hmm. like. And you can already start doing all that stuff in your mind 
So when you have a limited time to get that image, you're already working before you've even started taking the picture. And that actually does help a lot for a lot of these kids. And some of my students is they did, a, they didn't, they were kind of resistant at first, but then once they started doing it, they understood it and they realized that that's how you have to approach things because it is a, a daily, it is, there is deadlines, you know, you can't say, oh, oh, I missed the shot. You have to come back with something. Yeah. And then, and then for my photography, I've always kind of approached it that way. It's, it's, I, I like um, always, you know, there's an old adage, if you're not, the picture's not good enough, you're not close enough. And you got to be in there close to get that picture. And, you know, in growing up in Carpinteria and living in Santa Barbara, you kind of start to learn the area very well. And you know where, you know, the odds are that where the people are going to be when you need a picture, you can go where the people are going to be, you know, in Santa Barbara's down by the beach or downtown or in the parks, you'll be able to find people under a deadline when, when something you need a picture at the last minute. And that's kind of how I've approached this for my, my Instagram stuff. Mm -hmm. I wasn't as frequent, frequent with my social media. I would post things from time to time, mostly fire stuff or, or picture from a travel or some local thing. But when this whole COVID thing started, I was like, okay, well, people, you know, and you remember everybody was really concerned and stressed and staying home and taking it very seriously. And there was a lot of fear and I started saying, okay, well, I'm going to, because I have to, because of my job, I'm out there, right? I'm not staying at home. I have to be out there. So I'm going to start posting just one picture a day and early in the morning, and it will be non-COVID, non-stress, something, something visually um, appealing and not political because we were in the height of politics. Yeah. So I didn't want to have anything political and I didn't want to have anything COVID related. And and I just kind of started thinking, you know, I've got a couple months of this, I'll be fine. And now it's over almost closing down on a year of a day, a picture every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, okay, now I got to come up with something else tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So you kind of have to plan still, which is what we learn is, you know, you have to plan for that Sunday edition on Tuesday. Right. So mm -hmm. you, you kind of have to shoot ahead and, and have stuff ready to go um, for the next morning. So tell me about your day, because when I look at your photos, I see amazing sunset photos. I see amazing, you know, sunrise photos. It's like all throughout the day. And I'm just sort of wondering, how early do you get up? How late do you stay up? <laughs> I mean, how, how often are you out there shooting? And, and what's your day like? Right? Yeah, I, well, for the fire department, I work um, Monday through Thursday. So I work four tents. Okay. But we're always on call, you know, if something were to happen, if the hill was on fire or the earth started shaking or something big, then we would have to go to work and even on our days off or on our time off as well. So that's always, and that's like journalism would be too. I mean, you're always, if something were to happen, you would go to work. That's just yeah. the nature of the business. So that was another thing that was kind of seamless in the transition from already knowing that that's your work ethic. So my Monday through Thursday is uh, right now, like I said, it's a little slow right now because we're not teaching the third grade classes. We're not doing the cert classes. So I got a lot of stuff that we're in the process of making. We have to redesign and, and come up with a new ready, set, go program um, that we mail out from the fire department to 16,000 residents that live in that urban wildland interface. So that keeps me busy. Um, do our social media. 
And then when I'm driving around, um, um, either on my way to work, I'll get one of those, you know, sunrise or on the beach photos or on my way home. And then when I'm driving around, because I'm going throughout the county, you have to go to any of our stations or I'm up in the North County, um, the county of Santa Barbara as well, because I have a, I, I work for the county of Santa Barbara, but specifically the fire department, and I have a good relationship with their uh, information folks. And I've, they have asked me to take pictures if I'm driving somewhere and I see, you know, a pretty picture in San Is Valley. Mm -hmm. go ahead and take it. And then I send it to them for their, that they use on their reports or their, you know, budget items and stuff like that. So it's kind of a, they just want a bunch of evergreen type photos that they can sprinkle in for their reports as well. So I, I don't feel bad pulling off the side of the road in my work truck to take a picture of a horse because <laughs> I know it, I know it will, it's not just for me, it's for the county and they're going to use it as well. So, um, but I just try to come up with, and then on my days off, I go out and and uh, um, try and find some pictures later to use during the week. Like this morning, I went looking for bald eagles over at uh, Lake Casitas, mm -hmm. and I spent three hours over there and didn't see an eagle. So kind of missed out, but found a couple of the little things. And, and so I might put those out there in the social media later in the week. Do you have a, a particular type of subject that you, you enjoy shooting? I mean, do you like wildlife? I mean, you, you, the pictures of the owls stand out recently. Uh, do you do you have a, do you like people, animals, nature, landscape? Talk to me about. Oh, well, I, that, and that was one of the things that was appealing to me um, because it, it is a little bit of everything in that journalism world. You do take news, you do take sports, you do take features, you do take wildlife. So that was appealing to me and that, and that's what I enjoy doing is more, more now. Now I don't do so much portraiture or pictures of people or, you know, newsmakers or anything like that because it's just for my social media. I'll, I'll tend to get, you know, a silhouette of someone walking on the beach or something like that. That's a kind of a nondescript, but yet you, you understand it has the human element in the picture. Um, I enjoy, you know, the travel pictures. I enjoy wildlife. That was fun to go out and, and I got a nice uh, tip from a friend of mine who pointed me in the direction of where those owls were. So I was able to go out and get some pictures of those owls. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it is, I do like a little bit of everything and that's what I try to break up. It, it's amazing on social media. I can post a really nice picture of something that I, I like from say a football game or something like that. And that won't get as many likes. Uh -huh. And you post a nice sunset picture and you'll get a lot of likes right away. It's, uh -huh. it's, it's kind of it's kind of the opposite of what we talked about in photojournalism classes. You know, stay away from those Hallmark card images of the sunset uh -huh. picture and, but stay more for the news side of pictures. And, and here it is the exact opposite. Social media loves, you know, puppy dogs and, and you know, brilliant sunsets and stuff like that, rather than the harder, um, you know, portraiture or news, stuff like that. But if something important is happening in the community, wildfire or something like that, then yeah, we get, I get a lot of interest in that because they want to know what's going on. And that's my job is, is to show them um, and go places where they're not going when they're being told to evacuate, I'm going in and showing them what is happening in their neighborhood. How important is it to have equipment i mean i you know as you know i teach at city college too and a component of of the channels is photojournalism and 
a lot of students get really intimidated with with having to have the best gear and the best equipment and you know everyone has a phone in their pocket these days and i sort of try to stress like you know you can have great equipment and be a lousy photographer because so much of it is about being ambitious and curious and being able to look for the moment you've got to be in the right place at the right time in order to get the the moment um, and, and in order to do that, you've got to be curious about the world. And so, you know, we, you can have great equipment, but if you never use it, <laughs> it doesn't help. Um, you know, you obviously shoot a lot of different styles, but, you know, what would you sort of say? Like, you need the best equipment? Can you shoot with an iPhone? Uh, how, what are your, what's yeah. your suggestion? Well, when I first started, um, I chose, um, that was back in the film days, I used, you know, Canon because it was just cheaper at the time. It was either Canon or Nikon. And now I shoot Nikon and in the digital world, it's really Honda or Toyota, which, which do you like better? It's, they're kind of the same really, you know, for the average person, it's just what you feel more comfortable with. And I have never been uh, a proponent of getting the fanciest brand new top of the line gear. I've always been, Hey, just get me something as long as it works. You know, I buy a lot of stuff off eBay, old lenses. I have a, a, 600 millimeter big telephoto lens that I bought on eBay. It was from the eighties and it still works. It's so it's, I don't care as long as it works. And I tell people that you really don't have to have the Gucci gear to get a good image. You just have to be there. And the world of journalism has changed so much in this informational age where there is a 24 hour news cycle and you don't have to wait till the next morning to see what that one picture is that only one person got. Nowadays, you'll go to an incident and there's a bunch of people with their iPhones and you watch any TV news and it's a cell phone video, you know. Um, so yeah, it is, they just want something and you can take great pictures with digital um, cameras and you can take great pictures with your iPhones. The iPhones today are better resolution than the first and second generation digital cameras. So they, they've come a long way. And, and you know me, we, have, we had the oil spill here up at uh, Gaviota or Refugio State Beach. I was out there and I had gotten pictures. And what I use is I have my regular cameras and they have a built-in Wi-Fi. So I'll shoot long with my regular cameras and then I transmit it via Wi-Fi to my phone and then I'll tweet it out the picture that way. So that's how I get my pictures out quickly. Um, and I had been shooting that afternoon with the oil spill. And I got a call because I had tweeted pictures out. And I got a call from, of all places, National Geographic. And they wanted a picture of the oil spill. And uh, I said, OK. Um, and I sent them a couple pictures of kind of what I had just from my phone. And I said, I got the same stuff on my big camera, that it's a higher resolution and stuff like that. And I can get it to you. Um, and to my horror, after, you know, because everybody wants to be a National Geographic and have that picture. The guy on the phone's like, no, no, I, I see your phone stuff. That's great. We'll just go with that. So <laughs> my first and only picture in National Geographic is from my iPhone instead right. of a <laughs> camera. So that's just the way the world works now. And, and you can get in close, but be safe if you were doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can get good pictures with phones these days and all my video that I shoot for my Twitter account and for stuff I shoot on my iPhone is my video. Yeah. My stills are either with my iPhone or with my real cameras. Yeah. I remember when we used to work together on assignments, 
you would <laughs> you put me to work you know i'd be standing there and you'd be taking your photos and you'd like hand me like the reflector you know be like here block the yeah, sun hold, hold, the that? Block the sun. <laughs> hold that there don't move you know it'd be like okay yeah. you know and then you know you you do your shots so it's it's so it's just so interesting and Along those lines, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about sort of your attitude in, in that, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, you're really down to earth. Like, that's like a quality, and that's a really good quality for a journalist to have. You know, I worked at the Mercury News, and I worked with a lot of fantastic photojournalists there. But, you know, no reporter likes a photojournalist who lets you know they're a photojournalist, you know, like, 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 you know, their work is art and we're over here just writing stories. And I think that's one of the things that you have, which is that sense of, hey, we're a team, right? And we're working on something and we're down to earth and you're very sort of social when you're working. You know, it's not like you do your thing, Josh, I'll do mine, right? It's, it's a combined effort. And so I, you know, I, I think about that, and that's probably one of the keys to your your success. Um, did you learn that from Bob Ponce or Len Wood, or like where did you get that? Like I, I, this is a team effort attitude. Well, I, I I would go back farther than that. I would go back to you know um, my dad. My dad was a police officer. He was the uh, in Torrance, and then he came up along with six other guys and started the. Carpentry Police Department back when the city incorporated in 67, 66, when they wanted their own police department and took it away from the sheriffs. And now it's back to the sheriffs. But, uh, and, and, you know, he taught us, you know, mission first is you're there to support, you're there to help and you're there to, and to, you know, do what you can to support that mission and to, and to be collaborative and to work with all the other agencies and people that you're gonna have and to kind of bring that sense of calm when you go in there to make what you need to have done, done. You know, you need to work together. So, and that translated through my life. I mean, going up in Carp, in, in the small town of Carp and my dad was a cop, you, I couldn't cross the street without my dad knowing that, hey, Mike crossed the street today, he would find out about it. So we couldn't get away with a whole lot growing up. And then when I worked, started working at the fire department and then into photography, um, you, you kind of brought that with you. It, with the fire department, it's mission oriented. You're there, something happened and you're there to make it better. Yeah. You know, that's how they approach things. And then for journalism side, you're being welcomed into someone's home. You're being brought into a situation to tell a story. And it's not has a doesn't have a one side slant or another side slant. I've always tried to be middle of the road, um, especially when it comes to the politics side. A lot of people don't know what what side of the political scale I'm on, and then that's by design, you know. I'm because I've sat in on meetings with local politicians on both sides of the aisle, and you know you listen to both and you try just to to be there. And then that's how I've always done that. You're you're flying the flag of whatever um, organization you are part of and you're there to get that job done collaboratively i'm there to you're writing the story and my job is to help you tell that story with my images and that's from communicating and and working together to make that story you know possible yeah you're going to do a better public service if you can talk to as many people as you can and if you are a reporter or a photographer who only talks to people who you agree with politically, then 
you're you're doing a disservice to your public. Yeah, so and that's, that's and and as as much politics as this is the only political thing I'm going to say, and 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 in in having been at enough meetings with you over the years, city, county, local, little county, you know, down, down to Long Beach for the Coastal Commission, all these different ones, state, everything from people running for office for them, from president to, you know, city administrator or not city, you know, uh, district attorney or something like that. So we've been to all these different meetings. It, the only thing I'd say about politics is, is we've gotten too far, you know, it's USC versus UCLA, you know, it's, it's us or them, and that's got to stop. And, and you, the way I've always approached politics is it's a rowboat. And if you row with only the right oar, you're just going to go in circles. If you row with just the left oar, you're just going to go in circles. You need to use both the right and the left oar to go in a direction. And that's where we need to be back is in that rowboat. We're using both oars for the common good rather than party politics. And that's all I'm going to say about politics. Yeah, I know that's, that's perfectly put. I mean, that's great. That's exactly the way it should be. That's a great attitude. I'll shift gears a little bit. Talk about sports, right? Yeah, let, let, let's just go right there to the Super Bowl. Your team finally won. You're like a visionary. Finally, finally. Go back. <laughs> so you're not a bandwagoner. for time. No, I am not a bandwagoner. My, uh, my dad was from Minnesota. So he was a lifelong Vikings fan. And when the Bucks came into the league in 76, they, you know, were actually in the same conference as uh, the same division as the Vikings and the Packers and the Lions and the Bears. So uh, my sister was a Bears fan. My dad was a Vikings fan and I'm 10 years old. I like pirates. I'll take the Buccaneers. Okay. So. I, I picked them and so that way we would play each other twice a year and it was fun. And, and so that's what happened. And, and they were, I mean, how can you not like the Buccaneers? They were the worst team in all of sports. They went, Oh, and 26. <laughs> it's where good quarterbacks used to die. Steve Spurrier, Steve Young, Steve mm -hmm. DeBerg, Vinny Testaverde, you know, all those people, yeah. you know, Doug Williams, all these people went and just languished in Tampa. And uh, they were the yucks for so many years. And we had one fluke year when we beat the Raiders in 2002. And then uh, we did it again with the, uh, uh, the immortal Tom Brady this year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good to see. And my Dodgers won. I've been a lifelong Dodger fan um, this year. Awesome. So it was a good year for me with the Dodgers <laughs> and Steve Garvey and Steve, Ye uh, Steve Yeager and all Ron Say and all those guys I'm going back going to Dodger games when I was a kid. So it was good to, to see them finally, you know, shed the monkey of World Series from 88 off their shoulder and <laughs> win again this year. Yeah, I was so happy. I was 15 when the Dodgers won the World Series in 88. And then my son was 15 when the Dodgers won the World Series in 2020. So it was just kind of, it was just great. Um, sports photography so you, you you covered the nfl and you, you know have you met any players have you had an opportunity to rub shoulders with any of these athletes and can you talk a little about like, what's it like to be on the nfl field shooting well what i did was for for three seasons and this was pre 9 11 so this was i could hurry through airports with big cylinder objects and no one would 
blink an eye, you know, in a hurry when you had to make connections. Now it's a lot different. And it was in the film days. And so what I would do is the schedule would come out in April and then it was for NFL properties is who the pictures were. And they would use those pictures for the programs or calendars or some football cards or anything that was officially licensed by the NFL, those pictures that they sign and stuff like that. So that's, <laughs> they would use the pictures. So what would happen, the schedule would come out and I would pick my first three choices of games. And then the NFL properties folks would schedule the photographers. Usually there's two at a game, sometimes there were three, but mostly there were photographers here on the West Coast. So I would have Midwest and East Coast. So I would shoot a high school football game Friday night, be on a plane at 6 a.m. Saturday morning uh -huh. to Philadelphia or to Tampa or to Kansas City or St. Louis or somewhere else, Pittsburgh, fly in Saturday night and then check out of the hotel Sunday morning, go to the game. You have to be at the game three hours before the game and then shoot the game and then race to the airport and be on a flight coming home Sunday night and then start work on Monday morning the next day for mm -hmm. three years. And that got for 26 weeks because you'd have the preseason, 17 weeks and then the postseason. So it was a lot of work and a lot of time flying back and forth throughout the country covering the games. So it was enjoyable. Um, the, you know, when you get there, they would give you a, they call it a hit list. What they would do is they give you a hit list of people and players oh. that they wanted. Mm -hmm. And we would take pictures of the players that they wanted. And I was there in the era from, you know, um, 96, 97, 98. So it was Steve Young, Brett Favre, okay. um, you know, Drew, Bre Drew Brees. And those guys hadn't even really started yet. Tom Brady hadn't started yet. So they were still coming into the league. But it was... Uh, um, and then I would shoot the particular players and then I would shoot this general stadium action and then fans in the crowd, cheerleaders, the pre games out in the parking lot. And then for the corporate sponsors, all the signage around the stadium, Geico or whatever, the signs, and then they would be sent to their corporate for their corporate books and stuff like that, showing where their, you know, where their money is going from the different corporations that are sponsoring, you know, stuff in the stadium. So it was a lot of pictures that we would shoot um, every week and then they would pick them and use whatever they wanted and then they'd kick back what they didn't, we didn't need because it was a lot of motor drive stuff. So the camera, the hand is here or the hand is here and they'll take this one and that means I get this one back and I could try and sell it to some other agency or do what I wanted to do with the, uh, the remaining pictures. Were you ever one of those guys who got tackled by the football players, make the catch running I, off the field? I did it. No. I, I was very fortunate. I, I would listen to it on the, I have a radio in my ear. So I was listening to the broadcast, the local broadcast. It, I came close. But was so, because when I'm watching another player farther away, I'm listening to what the play is going. So I'll know where to look. If it's coming towards me, I can look. And I only had one real end. And I've seen some guys get clobbered. I have seen some people get nailed and I all they had me dead to rights it was in Detroit it was Detroit and Chicago and there was a play right out in front in the flat in front of me and the pass was wide and for some reason they were both coming full speed at me and I just kind of went like this with my camera and the cornerback went one way and the receiver went the other way right past me but that was the closest I came to getting run over but uh if you're not if you're not paying attention, it's really easy to get hurt and to uh, and to get injured in those type of 
like the incidents because they're moving really a lot quicker than they look on TV. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it's probably, you know, it's a tough question because you've done so much, but I mean, do you have a, a favorite story? Uh, do you remember any of your environmental portraits that stood out to you as things that, you know, you, you always, you want to take a look at, you're always going to remember, you know, every time I walk into blenders, <laughs> blenders in the grass, you know, they have your photo there, you know, and I'm waiting in line and I think they're, they're like looking through the blender. Like, do you remember that shot? You've been in there, right? And they're like the owners and you're shooting through the blender. That's right, right? I remember in that correct. Yeah, there was um, a lot of pulling rabbits out of hats back when we had to come up with stuff. And, and that's what right. I enjoy still about it is you have to be creative and and come up with something right away. And and I've been very fortunate to to be able to do that. And and just I've been thankful that people have let me wise and, and let me do things. So that's what I enjoy uh, most about that. Do you have a favorite? I mean, do, do you have a... Uh... Sorry, I think I have a little bit of a... Oh, favorite? Yeah. Looking at you. Um, for a favorite, I always get that. No, because everything was so different. I've been very fortunate. I've... I've met, I've got to take pictures of the Dalai Lama and four presidents and the vice president, a couple first ladies and lots of Hollywood stars and football players and baseball players and the, with the Blue Angels, I've got to go into a submarine, I've got to land on aircraft carriers um, and shot off of aircraft carriers. Um, I've got to travel extensively for projects and stuff so it's it, it's tough to to say I, it i've just been fortunate and glad that i've been able to to, to for one from a selfish standpoint being able to do that relay that to people so that they can see um what i saw and, and hopefully learn something and and create a you know an image that has some kind of emotional response yeah. that makes sense i quickly turned off my video but i'm still here just a little bit of slow life okay but, um, so let's go back then to the beginning you know you, you've talked about your father being a police officer and you you know you started as a reserve firefighter what was your firefighting career like i mean you do you do strike me as like you you know you can do a lot of things, but you, yeah, you strike me as a natural firefighter personality, somebody who's going to, you know, give your all and you have this sort of, I want to um, help protect, serve mentality and attitude. Uh, what, what was that like for you uh, uh, when you were just starting out? What was firefighting like? Well, it was, I mean, I went through the fire academy and it's funny because a lot of the people that I went through the, the fire academy back in the day are, are now chiefs and, and, high up and retired and everything else now. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I always say, uh, Kevin Taylor, the current Montecito chief, he was in my academy way back when. Right. So a lot of, uh, I've, I've known a lot of people through that class for years. And then with my job at the, and taking pictures and then my job in the fire department, they're just, they're, they're just good people. Um, and, and that's what journalism too, it, it in this, uh, I'm going to keep, the circles kind of overlapping with fire and and journalists. Journalists aren't the enemy. They're they're there to try and they're there to try and help and educate 
and shine a light on the community and to explain what's what's right and what's wrong with their community and how they can make people different and engage the community. Mm -hmm. And the difference with the police and, and fire, and it's a dog-cat relationship, kind of like a dog-cat with writers and photographers, you know, the police and fire side of things. And and being a police officer these days, I, I my father and my actually my mother was a police officer in Ventura. And back in the day when a policewoman would wear a little pillbox hat, a skirt, and keep her gun in her purse. Mm -hmm. So that's tactically sound there. <laughs> um, so, and she was in Ventura. And then my, my brother-in-law is a retired police officer and his son is a police officer. And you have a lot of families that do police and fire because they like the public service part. Today's police officer, I, I, I would, I cannot say enough good about the police today. Yes, they have their problems. Yes, um, but there are people that just wanna go do, are there bad cops? Absolutely. Should they be held accountable? Absolutely. Are there bad people that work at Home Depot? Absolutely. Should they be held accountable? Absolutely. You know, it's a huge undertaking to, you know, to be in charge of someone's civil rights and, and they need to, to be held accountable when they do something wrong, but they're, they just want to go to work, do their job and go home safely to their kids. You know, that was always one of the, my fondest memories when I was a kid was hearing that squeaky gun belt, you know, when my dad would come home for dinner and I was like, oh, dad's home. You know, it, they've got an incredibly difficult job and a thankless job and they're trying to do their best. And from a fire side, the people have a tremendous undertaking. They're going, when someone calls 911, they're having the worst day of their lives. And it's their job to go out there and to try and make that day, be that day better. Um, they've seen horrible things, things you cannot unsee. And they, they take it with them and, and, and they have to try and reconcile that and over cumulative fact in, in their lives. And, and it weighs on a lot of folks, but they're good people that want to go out and make a difference in their communities. And, and that's what they try to strive for, working together to solve a problem. And that's kind of how I've approached all of the facets of my life and every job is I have a problem and I need to solve it. That's how I, that's how I used to approach pictures. I have a problem hills on fire, how am I going to explain to people where they need to go, how they need to get out of here, how to prepare for the next big fire and get them out safely. It's, it's, it's a lot of things that have overlapped in my life, but they've all come together. And, the, and the, I guess the main purpose is to just, you know, educate and show the public, you know, what, what's going on around them and, and to have them appreciate what, what we have. Did you have any desires to become a police officer? Is that something you thought about to carry on the tradition or did you want to get out of your dad's shadow? I thought about it. I, th I thought about it, but I didn't. I, my dad was kind of like, you know, he didn't say I couldn't. He didn't say I, he didn't want me to or anything like that. We talked about it. I just, I, it wasn't for me. I'm not an, you know me, Josh, I'm not an ultra A type person and cops are usually type A. I, I would be horrible at report writing. My, my reports would be sloppy and I, my desk would be a mess. And yeah, I am not that 
straight and narrow. My room is a mess and my desk is a mess. And so, yeah, I, I could not, I, and having to stand there and testify in court and all the rest of that stuff, it would be, you know, difficult. So I, I appreciate what they do and, and, but I, that, I just couldn't do it. And, and, I, and so I, I wanted to do something for the community and um, I knew some of the firefighters in CARP from growing up and um, I took the test and got hired and worked with a lot of nice people and a lot of good people and people I'm still friends with today and, and, uh, and, and through the job at that job as well as taking pictures. I met a lot of the county and city and other agency folks and, and uh, it's, it's just a bunch of good people that, that care about the community and, and those are important values for me is, you know, make, do some, make, leave it better than how you found it. You know, so you talked about, you know, you, you taught, you've been a photojournalist, you work for the county, you've been a firefighter, you're always climbing a mountain, it looks like. What, do you have, you know, things that you want to do? Like, you know, I mean, are you settled now? I don't, you don't strike me as a guy who's like, I'm done. Um, you know, do you I, have other I, kind of? In high school, I worked at Delgado's for four hours in Carpinteria washing dishes, and I never went back. I lost <laughs> One day, one day, I said, I'm done. I am not washing dishes for four hours. So that was my one day. I said enough. A man's got to know his limitations, right. and that was my limitation. So I could not do that. Um, that is hard, hard work. This not is, even with, with free stuff. Mexican food, yeah. you couldn't do it, huh? Not even free food. Not even with free Mexican food, you could. No, no. God bless them. That is hard work, and then I, yeah, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. <laughs> Um, but in, in terms of your photojournalism, is, are you just going to, you still feeding the beast? You're trying to get a photo a day. Is there any genre or style or someplace you haven't been published yet that you're sort of thinking would be, you know, a goal of yours? I'm, I've been very fortunate with that. And, and that's kind of how I always approach it. I've, I was very fortunate. I won over two dozen national and regional and state awards for my photography and I and this is how I always told people I, I kept those awards in my garage and it was like when I would get in the car I'd look up and I'd see the awards and I'd say okay that's what I'm capable of don't phone it in today go out and do the job and then when I would come home at night I'd get out of the car and I have to look up at those and I said did I do that quality of work today or did I phone it in did I take it easy so that was always a personal challenge to me I've been very fortunate I've had pictures um, especially with you know, from the fire side, I've had a lot more front pages around the world due to my job at the fire department. Um, mm -hmm. Pictures um, from incidents, um, uh, national and international magazines. I've been on almost front page of every newspaper with, you know, the Montecito debris and, and the fires in the county. So I, I've had and, a lot of that. Not to cut you off, but you just reminded me, your lightning photo, right? You, you have this... Yeah iconic lightning photo that was picked up everywhere. Right? What, what could go wrong? We had a, a, a big lightning storm, but anyone in Texas probably laughed at us because we get so excited with, with weather and, 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 you know, so it's, it's, and Tom Bolton would be the first to tell you he's a weather geek too. So anybody, anytime we have weather in California, it's exciting. So we had a lightning storm and, you know, what could go wrong? I, I take a big metal tripod out to the end of Stern's wharf, standing in a puddle, 
and with an electrical storm around me. What what could go wrong with that? So I was I was very fortunate. I got some good lightning pictures, and I didn't get electrocuted. And yeah, those pictures went everywhere. They were in Good Morning America and ABC News and NBC News and all that stuff. And so I, I, I've been very fortunate being able to get pictures out there. Um, I people have asked, and I have been reluctant, and because I'm just I'm not a marketing guy. I, I am my worst. That's why I've been happy all along is they still give me a paycheck. I don't have to go and sell it because I am not a seller of myself. And I'm actually in the process, in the early stages of coming up with the first book, if you will, of pictures. So we're in the process of, of, of editing stuff down and coming up with publisher and and some other things, and, and you're kind of one of the first to hear it, but that's yeah. just kind of what we're, what we're in the process of, and it'll be a hardbound coffee table type book. Nice. Um, it, it'll be mostly Santa Barbara stuff to start with, because I want to maybe do some travel stuff too, and fire stuff, but you know, I don't know how many people really want to see a pretty picture and then see a picture of Santa Barbara burning next to it. <laughs> so I might have to do a separate book with, with fire yeah. and stuff and then travel stuff. But the first book is going to be mostly Santa Barbara County oriented um, of stuff. And it hopefully it'll be out. I'm hoping for Christmas. It'll be out by this year. We'll do some orders and I'll, I'll let you know when that comes out and I'll put stuff on my social media. But other than that, I, I want to travel. I've been like everybody else. We've, we know what every crack in the house looks like these days because we've been staring at the walls for a year. So I'm more than anxious to be able to go places again and and uh, see things and and experience things. So I'm I am looking forward to being able to travel again. Well, your your book's going to be a big seller, no doubt. I mean, people are going to love to look at that. But I have a question, Mike. Are you going to write your own cut lines, or are you going to need some help? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll ham fist them with my fingers. I'll try and I'll try and you know if you need to double check the names, you know you come yeah. after me. You know I'll, I'm yeah. sure I wrote them down too. Right? Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll probably do some things like that. I'll have uh, somebody. I have to do a four. I'm already just sweating at having to be a forward. I, I I can talk about you don't have you have no idea how torturous this has been tonight. I I have no problem talking about anything but myself, and I'm not a really big fan of doing that but um but yeah i have to come up with a forward and talk about pictures and stuff so i just want it to be pictures and no words but i'll have to explain what they are well it's better that way i mean you don't want to be the kind of guy who talks about yourself more than other people talk about you i mean it's it's enough, more important uh, enough about you okay enough about you you're interviewing me tonight okay just so, please just calm down you know, just, you're the photographer no, no, mike just no, you know no. let me give my story and you know people can look at your pretty pictures <laughs> no but i mean that's the great thing about you is you don't need to talk about yourself because people are always like michael ice and this michael ice and that and uh they, they mean it because they've worked with you or they've seen your work i mean i've had um you know i've run into people who were your students they're like mike my got me into photography you know so that's a, that's a really big impact. And you don't need to brag about that because you just know it when you go to sleep at night. Um, what about, uh, you ever, did you ever shoot weddings? Did you ever go that route where you try to make a little money I, on the weekends? I did. I did try and shoot some weddings. I probably shot about, I don't know, a dozen weddings or so. Mm -hmm. And as much as I enjoy doing that, that is stressful stuff. Weddings. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that, and the fact that you have the wedding and then you have roughly 30 minutes until the reception, but yet in that window, you've got to get 
every pairing of every relative together. <laughs> and then the bride wants, you know, rainbows behind and run, you know, walking on the beach and doing all this stuff and that you don't have enough time. I, I am envious of good wedding photographers if they're able to get those images because that is serious deadline stuff that they're pulling off and being able to get those pictures. That, that's hard work. Yeah. And I have done a couple of them, but no, I didn't. Um, I, 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 that's something that just, just doesn't interest me in doing that. But I, I, I appreciate when I'm at a wedding, I'm watching the photographer and I'm knowing how hard they're working and the stress that they're under and they're able to produce good stuff, which is good. And, mm. and, I, and I thank you for, for the kind words too. I, and I, I, I haven't taught at City College for five, six years now. And I taught there for 10 years and I'm still in contact with some of my old students and some are in Sweden now and some are, you know, in Canada. And so I still keep in contact with them. And it's nice to know that, and that's all you really want is just to, to have an effect on someone and to, and to help them because I had good mentors when I was young and starting out and impressionable. And, and uh, it, it meant a lot that people were kind to you when you're starting out and can help you with questions. I, I just, I was so turned off when I started and I saw some ego driven photographers and they were just rude and, you know, but there are so many good folks out there doing this, that job. And it's, it was, it was really impressionable. And I soaked that in as much as I could when I'm doing the job, but, you know, don't stand in front of me. If I got to take a picture, you, you know, that I can be, <laughs> I could be deliberate when I need to be, but for the most part, I'm, I try to be, you know, as kind as I can. Well, yeah, you have to have levels when you're doing the breaking news stuff and you got to get your picture, you know, and that's, you're not doing it for you. It's not an ego thing. You're trying to get the shot for the public and you know, you're going to make your, your best effort for sure. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you taking time, Mike, to, to talk about your story and, you know, your, your photography and everything that you're doing. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, you're, you're making an impact every day with your work at County Fire as well as your just your Instagram stuff. And uh, I know that you're not, you know, you may not be in the classroom anymore for now, but you're still teaching. You know, I look at your photos and I'm like, wow, it's a really good angle. I'm going to try to do something similar or I'm going to look at it that way and see if I can get something, you know. So, you know, there's maybe a million sunset photos, but you might do one and be like, wow, I want to do a sunset photo now or you know i want to get yeah. some sort of landscape photo so um you know i think that you're you're doing a great job and you know we used to work together and we've been through a lot of <clears throat> professional turmoil um and you've done a good job you're kind of a role model because you've reinvented yourself you know like you figured out a way to keep going and doing what you love to do and survive and and keep growing and professionally i've tried to do that you know i'm pretty you know comfortable with where i'm at um, not everybody is able to do that, you know, and you definitely shown that you've had that resiliency to, to keep going. And, you know, you're reaching a whole new generation here with your, your photography. So I appreciate your yeah, time. I, I, yeah. I enjoyed immensely working with you. And I mean, there's so many people that we've worked with over the years and Jerry and everybody else and, and George and, and, and all those people. And, and we have such a good relationship with folks at the Indy and, and KEYT and KSBY and all these different media folks that we, I mean, it's a, it is a tight community within a community mm -hmm. and we all care about each other. And, and, 
And then just like for the fire service, it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood. It's, it is that too with the journalism side of things and people, you know, um, uh-oh, my hockey game just came back on here. Hold on. Uh-oh, I'm turning my hockey game off. It was right in a sentimental, you know, teary-eyed moment. I, hockey game hockey. comes back on TV. Um, so, yeah, no, I've I, I, I've enjoyed tremendously working with you for all these years and, and everybody that in, you know, all you all who are out there that, that we work with. And and I appreciate um, the kind words always. And you, you know that makes me uncomfortable, the kind words, but I do appreciate it. And, and, and I thank you for wanting to ask me questions or thinking I was worthy enough to ask to the interview. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. But I, we're going to disagree on one thing, Mike. Next year, Matthew Stafford and the Rams, we're going to knock those bucks out in the NFC Championship. <laughs> Uh -huh. The Rams are going to go to the Super Bowl. You hate oh, the Rams, okay. don't you? Oh, I, I, are you yeah, one of the, the – you call them the Lambs? Am I remembering that right? You're one yes, of those guys? It is. I'm just looking forward to how many – can we count – let's get a bingo chart going here. How many times from the season next year for the Rams, they will put up a picture of Matthew Stafford and then a picture of Clayton Kershaw and talk about how they played Little League together in Texas. <laughs> it's going to be at least 50 times. Come up with something else, folks. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, Mike. Well, thanks a lot for your time. Good luck. And I'll be looking for your uh, photo tomorrow morning. Keep it coming. All right. Thank take care. Gosh. Take care.